This is Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, a show that explores the world of health and wellness innovation, empowering sustainability, equity, and access with the patient or consumer at the center of the conversation and outcome. I'm Greg Masters, executive producer and co-host, and am joined by my esteemed colleague, digital health advocate, author, and global thought leader, Gil Bash. Together, we bring you thought-provoking, people-groundbreaking ideas and the transformative companies that are making a difference. On today's episode, we're delighted to have Eric Wickland, Innovation and Technology Editor for Health Leaders. Eric Wickland served 20 years in daily newspapers, working his way up the journalistic food chain from beat reporter to columnist to managing editor. Eric helped launch and was the editor of mhealthnews.com, a national online publication focused on all things mHealth and telehealth for HIMSS Media. And with that introduction, Gil, over to you. Greg, again, thank you so very much. Boy, it was great seeing you, Greg, also at at, um, HIMSS and at Vive. Um, Very, very busy time. And we talked a lot about who we wanted to have on the show right after hymns. And I am thrilled that our dream has come true. We have Eric Wickland. Eric is really a pioneer in our category. He is an author, journalist. He is the editor of Health Leaders. He really has been dedicated to the health information and digital health space for close to two decades. Um, I, I don't know if, if Eric is still using a... Uh, an Apple Newton to take his notes or not, but I will say that he really is one of the the keenest minds in analyzing what the trends are. Now, Eric um, has worked actually within the HIMSS system before. He is a writer across many different platforms. Actually, I was just looking at a composite of his pieces. He's just written a great piece about pharmacists and should they be uh, primary care brought into the primary care community as providers. You know, Eric really understands how this fragmented health ecosystem pieces together. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Health Unabashed. Thanks, Gil. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit at Vive and then in Nashville, and then obviously our fourth floor or fifth floor encounter at the McCormick Conference Center in Chicago during HIMSS. I um I, I saw you coming my way. I grabbed you and said, you got to come on the program. And you said, sure, and here you are. So you you wrote two really great recap pieces from hymns. I wonder if you just summarize that for our listeners, because I've read them, and I really think that um, everybody who's interested in digital health, health information, health innovation, should read your pieces, because I think you tie it all together. Oh, thank you. Yeah, two stories so far. I mean, there's going to be more. There's so much that came out of HIMSS this year. I think the first thing to be said is that HIMSS certainly did look a lot like what it looked like before um, COVID. Uh, the numbers are back. The show floor was, uh, the exhibit hall was, was as confusing and crowded as, 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 as it had been. It's, it's nice to see that, that everybody is, is coming back and, and seeing the value in these events. And, of course, we've got more events now. Uh, Vive, Health before that, CES, the American Telemedicine Association. There's so many of them. Um, with HIMSS this year, with Vive right before it, 
um, the all the, the talk really was about automation, AI, um, how we can automate back end or healthcare can automate back end processes to make the job easier for uh, staff and, and providers at a time when we're dealing with stress and burnout in the industry and and workforce shortages. Um, and some of the other topics, interoperability, always a, always a, a top always. issue. Yeah, always. they've got that wonderful interoperability showcase in the back of the I was just thinking about what you just said because, and I realized we were probably together at um, ATA in San Antonio as well. I think we bumped into each other. The, the reality is we are putting on the shoulders of the health professional more and more responsibility to generate more and more information. You know, I remember, you probably remember the day when um, physicians, nurses, pharmacists in the hospital system, the provider system, really they were responsible for diagnosing and caring for patients. And, and information was very compartmentalized and actually resided in the physician's notes. Your paper file in a file cabinet somewhere uh, and and luckily, physicians really were charged with um, retaining memories of their patients. And there, there, look, there were far fewer medicines at that time to remember and to think about. Now, of course, it's expansive, and we have doctors who are not just you know GIs, gastroenterologists. They only see patients for upper GI, not lower GI, or they're neurologists who aren't general neurologists any longer. They just deal with serious neurologic illness. Medicine is becoming much more compartmentalized. I'd say more fragmented as a result of that. And therefore, um, capturing information is more important. But you, know, you and I were talking about the fact that we have now AI, augmented intelligence. We have chat GPT. We'll see how that fits into the system. Of course, um, we're dealing with the issues of cybersecurity. People need to realize that the health system is probably one of the most vulnerable, uh, certainly much more vulnerable than the financial system um, in the United States. We care more about our money than our lives, I guess. Um, and then, hey, how many years have you and I been hearing about interoperability? Um, uh, you know, I think we've been hearing that for at least since you entered the field. So- you know, Right alongside meaningful use. Yes, yes, oh, totally. I want to get your, your, your take on this because we seem to be talking more and more and more about new ideas, new innovation, new ways of collecting generation, generating and sharing information. Are we making any difference here or are we just doing new stuff? I think we are. Um, I think we've gotten to the point though that we're not talking about the brightest or the newest tools. Um, all those innovations have passed. We're talking about strategies and workflows now. Uh, we're talking about using these tools and actually getting some use out of them. Um, digital health, telehealth, you know, all these uh, phrases in terms of connected health, they're all related to capturing data from wherever it comes, uh, in the hospital setting, in the home setting, in between, uh, wearables that capture data from the body at, at, throughout the day. Um, we're get, we have this data now. We have to figure out how to use it, how to analyze it. Doctors, nurses, you know, they don't want to be inundated with this data. They want to get the data that they need at that time that they need it. So a lot of these new ideas and, and strategies are focused on uh, capturing, analyzing, sorting, and sending data to the right places. Well, you've just said something that 
I, I don't think we can emphasize enough. You know, my, my um, sadly, my physician father-in-law died a little more, just a little more than a year ago. And he was in a uh, hospital. He was well-known, well-known clinician. Obviously, he was 97 years old. So sadly, unfortunately, at some point, we transitioned from one world to the next. But I asked his nurse, by the way, and the nurses kept on changing on that floor every two, three days. So it's like you learn about a patient and then you're off to some other floor. I don't understand why that works for the hospital system. That's another conversation for you and I at the next medical meeting we bump into. But I asked the nurse a question and I said, um, well, you'll find that information in uh, my father-in-law's files. And, and she said, I don't have time to read the electronic medical record. And I was just thinking about what you said. And I'm wondering, because the new, the new Buzz toy is ChatGPT, I'm wondering if there'll be in our lifetime, hopefully, an opportunity for a health professional to say to their computer, um, please give me a, a two-paragraph summary of patient Dr. X, Y, and Z uh, on, the, on, the, on the current uh, diagnosis and medications in use. And, and like a fat file of medical information will be sort of compressed into two paragraphs of summary text. Do you think that's going to happen in our time? It will happen, the way the technology is advancing. It's not here yet. Um, natural language processing is, is it, a, a lot of it is just, uh, you know, it, it's being worked on, basically. ChatGPT is a shiny new tool that everyone wants to talk about, but it's not really, uh, it's it's too early, really, to, to develop a lot of use cases for that. It's, it's going to take time to... Uh, to work its way into healthcare and for healthcare to test it and and test it in different circumstances to make sure it, it will work. Um, there are going to be times uh, where it doesn't work, uh, and we're going to certainly going to hear all about those. But uh, more often than not, it just it just takes time for this technology to settle itself into the into the the daily workflow. And yes, doctors and nurses don't want, as I said, they don't want to be inundated with data, uh, and there's so much data coming at them from different locations. Um, that's why it's it's so important that we that we place faith in the the technologies and tools that that, that can analyze and use that data to, and 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 give it to them as they need it when they need it. Um, it's again, it's going to take time. You know, it's interesting. One of the exhibits that I, I spent a bit of time on, a big fan of some of the folks there, Microsoft, and and they were launching some new products right you know right from Hims. A lot of organizations. We're once again using hymns as a as a platform to say, hey, we're launching this, we're launching that. I saw some interesting stuff. Um, sequester. Um, 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 we had um, um, already on the program a few weeks ago. Sequester and Clear launched a whole new tool um, for consumers to really collect their data and secure their data. I thought it was brilliant that they announced it at, at hymns, of course. But you know, question I have specific to. Um, AI, and you know, I'm I'm referring it I'm referring to it as augmented intelligence, not the original term, which I'm not even going to use. I'm trying to get that out of people's memory. There was a great panel at Hims with the leaders of of I think three or four different major major health systems, moderated by Tom Lowry. I don't know if you you saw that session at all, but Tom, who wrote the book Hacking Healthcare was asking these four leaders of health systems, provider systems, how they were deploying um, 
AI. And one of them, uh, Khalid from Israel, he was talking about the fact that they used in their major health system AI as a tool to proactively reach out to all of their patients who had heightened risk factors for COVID to get them in as the mega priority for vaccination and observation um, around weight, around diabetes management and so forth. And as a result of that, they had far fewer hospitalizations and far fewer deaths and far fewer sort of like, you know, sort of like follow on risks of COVID. I mean, they, they deployed it as a proactive mining tool to reach patients at most at risk for preventive care. And I tried to, hearing those words, I was imagining that in the U.S. system. And I was saying to myself, are we really geared for that in the United States, that level of proactive preventive care? I kind of said, wow, I love it. It seems so dreamlike. I know you're doing it there. But here, is it possible? I don't know. What do you think? It is possible. Uh, we have to pay more attention to value-based care. Uh, rather than episodic care for that to happen. Um, and those wheels are moving slowly. Um, but I do think that if you look around at health systems around the country, um, they are doing these, 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 these different types of programs. They're, they're testing them. They're working on them. There are small use cases wherever you look for the value of automation, certainly in chronic care management and with the, the uh, blossoming numbers of, of, of Americans with chronic diseases multiple chronic diseases. This is going to be a huge uh, area of, of, of concern and innovation uh, going forward. Automation and AI, yeah, um, everyone's trying it. Everyone's going to have a different way to use it. Uh, uh, it's not going to become one great large platform from one end of the country to the other. Each health system is going to figure out how they can best use it. Just tuning in, you're listening to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is Eric Wicklin, Innovation and Technology Editor for Health Leaders Media, a multi-platform media company dedicated to meeting the business information needs of healthcare executives and professionals. You know, I'm thinking about what you just said, and I'm thinking also about HIPAA. And, you know, HIPAA as, a, as obviously a, a, as a vehicle, as a platform, a policy to protect our, our privacy, our confidentiality. So on one hand, we have HIPAA. On the other hand, we have um, epidemic-like diseases like pre-diabetes, not even full-blown type 2 diabetes, but pre-diabetes. And so we know from the data that someone is tipping toward pre-diabetes, and 20% of those people graduate, unfortunately, to type 2 diabetes. They're taking metformin or other medications to manage their blood glucose. We, we, we kind of know that continuum. And, and, and so we have the data. We actually even have the ability to reach out to those people if we could put in place an infrastructure. And I'm wondering, because both of us have been following health information and digital health for decades, you know, this is not like the new, the new flavor for, for you or for me. Uh, I'm wondering if the problem isn't our ability to generate data, mine data, and deploy data. I'm wondering if, if we are now reaching the pogo stage i've seen the enemy and it is us and i'm wondering if our obsession around certain aspects of data confidentiality and and people hurtling toward illness are are we working for each other is are we working the system to work 
to our benefit or are we working the system to protect the system? I mean, any any gut reaction to that? It's a challenge to balance personal privacy with public health. Um, and, and keep in mind, HIPAA was, was developed back before, I believe back before cell phones, and has not been updated yet. We're still waiting for HIPAA to be revised to reflect the technologies that we currently use. Um, there is, yeah, there is that fine line between uh, uh, broaching somebody's personal data and, and using data to to enact uh, health or to affect healthcare decisions. Um, I, I, I tend to think that they can be inter, they, they can be interconnected. They can be used together. Uh, things will work. Um, it's just that we haven't, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet where uh, we know what to do. We know how to use the technology properly to, uh, to and, and of course, you know, un unless we solve that privacy and security issue, and that has always been an issue, um, we're, we're going to be very mindful of the fact that this data can be used incorrectly. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, we, we do have a tendency to, step on our own toes when we are you know i think i think the show executive director greg masters who, who is masterful no pun intended and and um sort of guiding this show and also pop health week i think he has he has a lot at stake with fax machines and i think that he is personally lobbying with the fax machine lobby to protect um the use of fax machines i do know hospitals still have entire mammoth rooms with fax machines going non-stop even though the Cures Act said, "Hey, get rid of fax machines by 2022," I, I don't. I don't think that we have a lot of trucks pulling up to the back bay of hospitals yanking out fax machines yet. No, the, yeah, the problem is that we've always used. They, uh, healthcare has always used faxes; are very comfortable using them. They know how to use them. The uh, healthcare tends to be very conservative in this, in in, a, in embracing new technologies. They haven't become familiar enough with the technology yet to become to, to become comfortable. That's why you also see pagers. Um, it takes time to get used to the technology. It takes time to learn how to use it properly. Uh, some hospitals are doing it. Uh, there are some individual doctors and you know that are, that are the, the, the thought leaders for digital health technology that are using this very well. There's just not enough of them out there and not enough health systems yet that have become so comfortable that they can say, okay, we're done with the facts. We're done with the page. We can do this. Yeah, this is the problem which I have, which is I, I had written a, an article about the fact that I felt um, the mega players would have to enter in in order for us to see system change. So I had written a piece where I talked about Microsoft and Apple and, um, and other bigger sort of like pan industry tech players were going to have to enter in because let's face it, we're, we're, we're comfortable with the um, the Apple operating system. We're comfortable with the, the Windows operating system. We're comfortable with, with um, you know, sort of with the Microsoft sort of like suite of services. We're, and then all of a sudden a new system comes in from out of the blue and the doctor sort of says, I've got to learn the format and feel from scratch when we kind of know how Microsoft Word or Excel or PowerPoint work, it's the same layout or the same template. You know, why don't we do that in terms of electronic medical records? And you know, I, I'm just amazed that uh, this is happening. So I have a really interesting question for you, which is this 
juxtaposition between the, the behemoths and what we saw at Hims, tons of startups. And, and so now what's the relationship, do you think, between the like these giants and the the Lilliputians who can affect change? You know, is, is there a good relationship there? Is it just more fragmentation? What's your read? I think you'll see a lot of these startups are formed by healthcare providers who identified a specific pain point and developed their own way of working around it, either with technology or with workflows. Uh, a lot of these small ones, that's how they get going. Uh, it's, it's, you know, they, they are, they're useful. They're, they're, they're identifying the issues that we need to address. They're attacking in small portions. Um, the problem with them is scalability and sustainability. If they've got a great idea, can this great idea move the wheel enough to affect healthcare, to, to affect clinical outcomes, to improve, uh, to improve clinical outcomes, to reduce waste and, and cost in healthcare? Um, or is this is is one is this tool just affecting a small portion of of the healthcare ecosystem, not enough to really do anything. And you'll see those, those are the ones that'll kind of fade away. Uh, the ones that can scale up, the ones that can um, uh, collaborate or, or partner up with other other small companies, maybe, or or especially health systems. Health systems will take these one on. They're, they're creating their own small uh, spin-off companies um, to do it to attack the issues that face healthcare. Um, I, yeah, again, it's all scalability. Yeah, I wrote a, an article out of Vive. You know, you and I were, you know, sort of hanging out in the press room together, and I cranked out a piece on Vive of a study that was presented on uh, how the health system, provider systems, like you know the the Mayo's, the Cedar Sinai's, the Northwell's, the the you know Mount Sinai's were launching their own incubators, accelerators, and equity funds to to pursue their you know innovation, and um and, and I don't think that they were thinking about it system-wide. I think they were looking for, like, how do we improve ourselves, per se? But I have a theory, and I'd love to run it by you, which is, I think there's lots of space for startups. And I think that the startups are the innovation laboratories of the behemoths. I think the behemoths have sort of gotten to a place of saying, rather than invented ourselves, Let's provide some ideas, some support, some counsel. Let's throw a little bit of money around here and there. And, um, and let's see what works. And if it works, we'll plug it into our products. And it, you know, it will be a differenti differentiating feature for us. And so I I'm wondering, it's like um, the pharmaceutical industry, where we see more and more big pharma um, buying up smaller pharma, they've developed a molecule that interests them that they feel is meeting an unmet need. They're going to help you know, bring it through the FDA process, and then they're going to sell it. I'm wondering if the Googles and the Microsofts are, from a from a health information technology standpoint, I'm wondering if they're starting to do the same thing, the same model. It's all in the partnerships. Um, you'll see. Excuse me. Uh, Houston Methodist has got some really good innovation coming out of them. Uh, Intermountain has always been really good at that. UPMC. Uh, you mentioned Mayo, Cleveland Clinic, uh, Cedar Sinai does some great work in AR and VR technology. Uh, they've always had the, the kind of the, the angle on that. 
uh, the children's hospitals uh, across the country. St. Jude. St. Jude is a great example yes. of that. Centers for innovation there are fantastic. Uh, uh, my own backyard here, the Boston area, uh, Children's and, and Brigham and Women's and Mass General. They're, yeah, they're all allowing or they're all fostering innovation within their their ranks. Um, first of all, by allowing their own staff and, 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 and you know, providers, nurses, techs, everybody to, to, to take an idea and work with it. Uh, beyond that, though, they are. They are allowing these companies, small companies, to, to form within their centers of innovation, and they're testing out the, these 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 workflows, these technologies within the hospital, within the health system network. Uh, the idea that they're not only they're solving problems, but um, we can talk about the econ economics about this. If they can spin out a company, they can make a, you know, that's a that's a good business line for them. If they can create something that they can they, they can make a little bit of a profit from um but again more importantly they're they're attacking the issues that face health healthcare uh with these small companies if these companies get enough room to run and show enough promise to be scalable and sustainable that in turn will will expand outwards and you'll see companies like Zelf is is one it's the one that comes to mind immediately that was spun out of the health system um and you'll you'll start seeing more uh, more appreciation for and adoption of uh, these types of services. Well, you know, we, we, we've we've been talking a bit. I sort of feel like we've only scratched the surface. We only have a few, few actually, a minute left of our, <laughs> of our show today. It's I mean, it went through a blink. So I, I've got to ask, what's the next? two meetings for you uh, I, i'm not i'm not um stalking you eric no, heaven forbid but we, we seem between uh, san antonio nashville and chicago we, we we seem to be uh heading to the same airports what's the next airport for you i'm going to san diego in june for a, a ai med conference um, the topic we talked about ai uh that's that's i i'm looking forward to that i'm moderating a bunch of panels at that one uh beyond that well we've got health coming up in, in the fall in vegas again i'll certainly yeah uh ces in january is you know one of the more forward-thinking uh of, of the events and uh, i'll be there i'll be moderating panel there as well and then as again health leaders we have our own uh innovation we have our own exchanges working on an innovation exchange that they'll bring together cios and ceos to talk about how how innovation is fostered within the health system and how it's supported especially at a time when there's very little money to spend on new technology and ideas. Well, I've got to give a plug to you and health leaders. First of all, I recommend to all of our lead listeners, go to the health leaders website, sign up. They have a variety of different um, reports, newsletters, uh, um, authors, Eric being really one of the, the senior players there. Follow Eric on Twitter and LinkedIn. He is kind enough to post his articles on both platforms so be sure to follow Eric. Obviously, if you're interested in the space, I'm just going to say Eric is one of the most accessible, wonderful people in our field. If you really want to connect with someone who could flip out of journalism and be a, a financial analyst at one of the big banks covering the sector, then by all means, connect with Eric Wickland. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today on Health Unabashed. Thank you. Thanks, Gil. And that is the last word for today's broadcast. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. 
and our special guest, Eric Wicklin, Innovation and Technology Editor for Health Leaders, a multi-platform media company dedicated to meeting the business information needs of healthcare executives and professionals. To stay connected with Eric's work, go to www.healthleadersmedia.com and do follow him on Twitter via at Wick, that's E-R-I-W-I-C-K, and at Health Leaders, respectively. For more information about Health Unabashed, head over to the program page at healthcarenetradio.com. Catch our show weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern, or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, M-P-H, and that's Greg with two Gs, and be sure to tag your tweets with hashtag Health Unabashed. Until next time, embrace your passion for better health unapologetically. 